Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have a blessed hope. That is, God has promised to do something. And that is to remove believers from this world prior to the outpouring of the wrath of God. We can have absolute assurance that we are not going to experience any of God's wrath. That new covenant relationship that we have with the living God through his son, his only begotten son, secures that for us eternally. Therefore, we never have to fear God's wrath. And when we, God forbid, move away from his will, God will discipline us as a loving heavenly father disciplines his children. So we can be assured that we're going to be the recipients of God's good activity in our life to move us, to change us, to sustain us into being his faithful servants. And what we're going to talk about is that wonderful promise we have known as the rapture by many. Paul calls it the blessed hope. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. Now, last week, we began this fourth chapter, and we saw that there was an emphasis on us living according to the spirit of the law. Now, what do I mean the spirit of the law? Well, law is a good thing. Law is the instructions of God. The law, and I'm speaking about the law of Moses, teaches us what are God's expectations for our life. We're not saved by the law, but being saved, we are called to apply toward truth to our life. Now, Paul says in the call to worship that I read from 1 Corinthians 5, let us celebrate this festival. Now, we cannot do that according to the Torah today. There's no temple, and furthermore, there's no need for that Passover sacrifice for us. Because as the text says, our Messiah, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. We have received the outcome of the work of Passover, which is this eternal redemption. But Passover should be studied, and it's good to mark that time, to, to set aside these days for a holy purpose in order to use the various instructions and commandments that we see concerning this festival and do so in the newness of the spirit applying them to our life in a way that we can understand biblical truth the more we understand the festivals and let's be most specific the more we understand what the scriptures say all the scriptures say about Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and that day Rashid, oftentimes translated the first fruit, all that we understand about that gives us a better 
understanding of Messiah. His person, his identity, who he is, and what he has done and what he will do. So marking and setting aside the time that we're in and observing it is a good thing. And Paul confirms that in the scripture that we read. The one that I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and especially that last verse, verse 8. So let us take to heart the words of Paul and not be turned away from his instruction by false teaching that is plaguing believers today. Not understanding these great times that are belonging to God, his appointed times. There is a benefit from applying their truth to our life and observing them in the newness of the Spirit. Well, look with me, as I said, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 9. And I mentioned that there is a Spirit that prepares us for our blessed hope. And that is the Spirit of the law, the Spirit of Messiah. His Spirit that He gives to us, the Holy Spirit. It says in John that He is a Spirit of truth and a Spirit of righteousness. And we understand what is righteous through the law. Now the law does not make one righteous, but we understand righteousness from God's perspective based upon His commandments. That's a fact. Therefore, if we want to understand God's definition of righteousness and how to live righteously being led by the Spirit, we are going to study all the commandments of Moses. Look at verse 9. He says, And concerning brotherly love. Now, brotherly love, loving our brother as ourselves, we could say, Love your neighbor as yourself. All of this, Paul says, hear that, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3, he says, this is the, the message of the Torah. So we need to understand the close relationship between loving your neighbor as yourself and the spirit of the law and what we're called to demonstrate today as believers. So Paul is emphasizing, not by chance, but because he understands the, the instructions of the law, that, that walking in brotherly love is what's going to prepare us to be found faithful at the time of the rapture. So he says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. Why? These things concerning brotherly love, Paul doesn't have to write them down. Why? Moses wrote them down. How we love God and how we demonstrate our love for God by loving our neighbor. And the Torah reveals to us what are our obligations towards one another. This is what he's speaking about here. And he goes on to say, look now to, to verse, verse 9, the second part. Why doesn't he have to write these things down? He furthermore says, for you yourselves are taught of God. Taught of God how? Through the word of God through the law of God. For you yourselves are taught of God. And what does God teaching us reveal? Notice what he says. To love one another. So he said it many ways in this fourth chapter and twice in verse nine. Brotherly love and that we're called to love one another. 
What is the basis of loving one another? The Torah. This is what the message of the Torah is. Verse 10. For also you do this, this very thing to all the brothers. To the ones, all the ones in Macedonia. So this congregation in Thessaloniki, they have a reputation. They are demonstrating the spirit of the law by loving one another within their congregation and also among all the ones, all the disciples, all the believers in all of Macedonia. And therefore he says this, look at the last part of verse 10. And we encourage you, brethren, to abound all the more. Abound in what? All things. When we, here's the principles that he's teaching. When we demonstrate Torah truth, how do I do that? By loving my neighbor as myself. As I do that as they are, it is going to produce an outcome in my life. What is that? I'm going to abound all the more so. In loving my neighbor, yes, but in all things. Loving your neighbor is foundational. It we find in acts in a major way the power of the Spirit of God in us so that we can do God's will in the fullest sense. So he wants us, look at the end of verse 10, to abound all the more, verse 11. Now, verse 11 is why it's so important for us to look at the original language. And you might say, I don't know Hebrew, I don't know Greek, I don't know Aramaic, but you have at your fingertips through your laptop, through your tablets, through your phone, free, most of which are free, some very good programs that you can purchase to help you understand the original text. And it's just a matter of a few clicks and that you can go and find something out. For example, if you read it as most Bibles translate it, it says simply, and, and strive to live a quiet life. So if I read that in English, I'm told to work hard to live a quiet life. But what's interesting is when you look at this word that's oftentimes translated to strive, to work at, to make effort to, when I look at that, I see two Greek words put together. The first one is the word for loving. And the second one is the word for honor or honorable things. So what he's saying is this. If you love honorable things, meaning this, if you want to live honorably and have in your life those things that God sees as right, as precious, as honorable, as good, how do we receive those things? How do I behave in an honorable way? Well, he tells us to live a quiet life. So if I want and uphold these things are honorable to God and I want them to, to characterize my life, I do them, I find access to them by living quietly. And he says, and also practicing the things of oneself. Not, not being a busybody, not getting involved improperly in other people's life. Now, of course, we're called to minister and bless one another and help one another. But there is a very clear distinction between blessing someone and meddling in someone's life. And he says, furthermore, 
and to work with your own hands, just as to you we have commanded. So we're called to work, meaning don't be idle. Don't do nothing. Do the things you ought to. Work is a good thing. Be busy in your own affairs. And strive to live a quiet life, not a life of drama. Now, we all know people that their presence, they just bring drama into everything. We ought not be of that type. Live a quiet life. And that is going to, to demonstrate that you are pursuing those things that you love, that you value, those things that are honorable to God. And then he says, look at now verse 12. In order that you should walk. Now, this is a very Hebraic term. It's speaking about a lifestyle. The things that we do, how we behave, our manner of life. And it says here that you walk, how? Properly. And who defines what's proper? You don't. I don't. The Word of God does. What part of God's Word? All of His Word, including the commandments of God. Now, here's what a wise person does. Someone says, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me. I want the Holy Spirit to teach me what is right and wrong. You know how he does that? You begin to look at the commandments of Moses. And you say, Holy Spirit, I want to apply that commandment to my life. I want to demonstrate righteousness. I want to do those things are, are righteous and those things that are unrighteous, I don't want to do. And when we identify what they are through the commandments of God, then knowing this, we can pray effectively. But this is what happens. You know, there's a great scripture from, from Philippians about those things which are good, pure, virtuous, wholesome, holy, all of that. Here's what a person does who does not have spiritual maturity. He sits back, he, he strokes his chin and thinks, what is good, virtuous, what, what are those things? That's an error. Don't lean on your own understanding. We find what those things are revealed to us in the word through the commandments of God and other scripture. So don't lean upon your own understanding for what is right and proper. It's all being led by the Holy Spirit through his word. Studying his word, reading his word, and finding out what God says is right. So he says, in order that you live properly to those who are outside, meaning outside the congregation, outside the faith. And when we do that, when we have that type of testimony, Notice the benefit of that. And it says, and nothing you should have need. When we live that quiet life, that simple life, focusing upon the honorable things, the righteous things, having a lifestyle, a manner of life that is pleasing, that is in line with the word of God, that is going to position us whereby we will receive God's provision into our life. And like he says here, you will have need of nothing. So we will find that obedience to the word of God provides sustenance, full sustenance to our life. Verse 13. Now in verse 13, we begin to see a change. All of what he's talked about, what we studied last week and what we studied up until nine, 
is saying here's wisdom here's instruction for for being ready for this great event now i want to pause for a moment i can remember about uh, uh six seven eight years ago i was in orlando florida speaking at a conference the conference was held by the the messianic jewish alliance and it was their southeastern conference and one of the speakers he was doing a breakout uh, session and he spoke about why there was no rapture and i encountered so frequently people saying there's no such thing as a rapture that's a creation of the church it's not something that we find uh, biblically and I do not know how people can make such a statement. We find something being described, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great passage having to do with the resurrection. And in one sense, the rapture is a type of resurrection. We'll see that in no uncertain terms in a moment. But in the passage that we're going to be studying right now, the last part of chapter 4, the rapture, the blessed hope, is clearly defined. We, we are taught what it is. So all we have to do is read these last few verses of chapter 4, and we'll see how biblical the doctrine of the rapture is and what the scripture says about it in this passage of scripture. Now, there's something that we need to, to clarify at the beginning, and that is there is a term biblical and also part of Judaism. In the prayers, for example, that famous prayer called the Amidah, the Shmoni Esrei, it talks about those who sleep in the earth, the dust of the earth. Now, it's speaking about the dead. But it's not saying, and this is what happens when someone applies their own knowledge and their own thoughts to the Word of God. The reason that biblically and traditionally within the Jewish community, the dead are called by the one sleeping in the ground is for a reason when you go to sleep at night you expect to wake up in the morning in fact you want to wake up you set an alarm or such but but you sleep with an expectation that that sleep is going to come to an end and you're going to be resurrected and what we find here is that that the dead were spoken of as sleeping because this was a way of emphasizing the resurrection there is no evidence whatsoever scripturally in fact, there's evidence to the contrary. You look, for example, of the account of, of Lazarus and the rich man. They went to a place called Sheol. And there's two compartments of Sheol. And they weren't asleep. The rich man was suffering. He was able to look and see and speak. We see that Abraham, that was in the bosom of Abraham, a second compartment within Sheol. There's hell, the place of punishment. Now, realize all of this changed with the resurrection and the ascension of, of Messiah. Today, there is no Chek Avraham. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we see that there's no sleeping. This concept of soul sleep is a false doctrine. This is what the scripture says. Let's move on to verse 13. We read this. But I do not want that you should be against knowing. Some Bibles will say ignorant, but, but it's the word against knowing. Paul's giving them knowledge. He's revealing, he's defining things. So it's not that they're unaware of this. He's written about it other places. 
So he says, I do not want you to be against knowing, brethren, concerning the ones who have fallen asleep in order that you do not grieve, that you don't have grief, just as all the ones who, who are remaining, meaning like the other ones, the remaining ones. Why? They don't have hope. So it's biblical hope that removes that grief, that sorrow in regard to death. Why? Because we know death is not the end. Death is a transition. So as he says, and I, I want to read this properly, but I do not want you to be against knowing, brother, concerning the ones who have fallen asleep, in order that you do not grieve, just as also the remaining ones, that they, and the implication is they have grief. Why? Because they do not have hope. Verse 14. They, because the world does not believe in the resurrection and the promise of Messiah, that gospel message, they grieve because of death. Because they don't know the biblical promises. That's what hope is. Knowing the promises of God. Verse 14. For since, I don't use the word if, it's since he's talking to believers here. So for since we believe that Yeshua died, yes, he died on Passover, on that cross being crucified, but also it says he rose. Thus also God. Now, what's the emphasis here? Not death, but the resurrection. And therefore, he says, thus also God, the ones who have fallen asleep by Yeshua, meaning in faith. They have fallen asleep. They died in Messiah. That's what they're speaking about. It says, he will bring with him. So he is going to bring with him. Now, this has significant implications now we need to emphasize what the scripture is going to do here and this is where it becomes very important what is death death is the separation of the soul from the body now paul says something to believers now of course he says this after the rapture before excuse me he says that after the resurrection of messiah so what Paul is speaking about, obviously, is taking place after Messiah rose from the dead, after he ascended into heaven. Prior to the resurrection, what happened? When someone died, didn't matter who they were, when someone died, they would go to Sheol. What was uncertain would be where in Sheol? In the place called Gehinom, hell, or the place called Chek Avraham, the bosom of Avraham. Why Avraham? Avraham had faith in what? The promise of God. That God would send a redeemer. So those who believed that God would redeem, they went to Abraham's bosom. Those who did not have faith in the promise of God, did not believe in a redeemer, what happened? They went to hell. Gehinom. Now, when Messiah died on Passover, it says that he died, was buried, and... He descended into the lower parts of the earth. What is that? Sheol. What did he do there? Well, you can read this in 1 Peter, also in Ephesians. This is what he did. He went and he proclaimed to those that were in prison, that is in Gehinom, hell, why they were there, who he was, and that they did not believe in the coming Redeemer.
And then he went to those who were in Abraham's bosom, Chek Avraham, and he proclaimed to them, he is the Redeemer, the one that they believed in, the one that they have hoped for. And the scripture says Messiah took captivity those. And after his resurrection, and ultimately after his ascension, we see a change. Isaiah tells us that Sheol has been brought in that place of hell, torment, punishment, Gehinom. And what was called paradise, Chek Avraham, no longer exists. Paradise has ended. Why? There's no need for that. Because of heaven. Paradise and heaven were never the same thing. Paradise was that place, that compartment in Sheol for those who had hope and faith in the promise of the Redeemer. That doesn't exist now. Why? Because when one dies, and Paul says this, when one dies in the faith, this is who he's speaking about in verse verse 14. The ones who have fallen asleep, that means have died, but through Yeshua, in faith in him. What happens? It says here, he will bring with him. Where are they? Well, he's talking about a distinction between the body and the soul. When someone dies ever since, after the resurrection, after the ascension, ever since that time, when one dies in faith, their body is placed in the ground. It decomposes, becomes dust. But, but immediately with death, their soul is present with Messiah in heaven. That's why Paul says to be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. Messiah says we shall always be with him. So when he says this, look carefully at verse 14. He says, he, who's the he? Yeshua. He's the subject of the ones, the one who died and the one who rose. He will bring with him, with himself, who? Those who have died. What will he bring? Their souls. Where have their souls been? With him in heaven. So when Messiah descends out of heavens into the air, into what we would call the sky, what, what theologians call the lower heavens, what happens? Those souls who have been with him, believing souls, they are going to come with him. That's what he says. And he will bring with him these individuals. Now he wants to identify and define what this is going to look at. Like, look at verse 15. For this to you we say by the word of the Lord. Very important statement. Paul's saying this is direct revelation like all the other scriptures. So is this. This we say to you by the word of the Lord that we, the ones living. So there's going to be at the time of this event that we're speaking of, the rapture, there will be those believers who are alive, who, notice the term he uses, but we, the ones living, the ones, and then he uses a word for, for laying about, meaning we would say hanging around, still in this world. So the ones who are still alive, who are in this world hanging around, it says when? At the coming. And this is specifically what we'll see in a moment, the rapture. So there's going to be believers still around, lying here in this world at the time of his coming, the coming of the Lord. And it says 
that we will not. Now notice, it's two words, two different words for not. The word u and the word me. So we will never proceed, is what he's saying, the ones who have fallen asleep, the dead. Now notice what he's saying. At the time of this glorious event, the rapture, there are going to be believers who their bodies are in the tombs. They have already died, but their souls are with Messiah in heaven. And there's another group, that's those, he says, we, because Paul believed that, that he might be part of that event and still alive, that, that those who are still alive, who are still in the body, who are hanging around this world, we are not going to precede the ones falling, having fallen asleep. Why? Look now to verse 16. Because the Lord himself, with the commandment, what commandment? Well, we know something. In regard to the blessed hope, this coming of the Lord, not speaking about his first coming, not speaking about his second coming at the end of Daniel's 70th week, but this coming, the rapture. The scripture says, no one knows the day or the hour. We're called to watch, but we don't know the day or the hour. God the Father is going to give a commandment that now is the time. And it says, look at verse 16. Because the Lord himself, with the commandment, with the sound of the, the archangel. What sound? Many people believe even the trumpet of God. And what's going to happen with these things, the voice of the archangel or the sound of the trumpet? At the commandment of God's timing, it says that he will dis descend from heaven. And what's going to happen? Read carefully. He's descending from heaven. And it says, and the dead in Messiah will rise. How? First. Now, what will rise first? Their bodies. Why? I mentioned 1 Corinthians 15. It speaks about at the time of this, what Paul calls a mystery. At the time of the rapture, what's going to happen? Those believers, all believers, are going to get a new body. Remember Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, there are bodies for, for fish. They belong in the water. They have a body designed for that. There are, are birds. They have a body for flying in the sky. There's animals. They have a body for earth. And there's animals that creep around. They have a body for that. Every body that God gives is a body perfectly designed for their environment. There's also celestial bodies. And he says those bodies are designed for being in the celestial locations. But there's also heavenly bodies or kingdom bodies. That's what we're going to receive. And therefore, he says, look at this, verse 16, the second part. And the dead in Messiah will rise first, then we the ones who are living, the ones who are still hanging around, lying about, that's what it literally is, the word for uh, lying, meaning uh, uh, laying down, at rest, and the word about, klemai and peri, those who are, are about, lying about. It says together with them. And what's going to happen? It says, and, and we shall be snatched away in the clouds now this is the word that that is the basis for the term rapture this term arpazo being snatched away quickly 
So this is what he says. What is the rapture? Very simple, not hard to understand. It is a time when Messiah is going to hear that commandment from his father, now's the time. There's going to be the voice of that archangel, might be that voice or sound, might be the, the trumpet of God. There's also the trumpet of God, whether they're one and the same things, people disagree, makes no difference. There will be the voice of the archangel, and that is that that trumpet will also be sound. And what's going to happen? We know. The dead, their bodies, not their souls, their souls are in heaven with Messiah. But their dead bodies are going to rise up, being changed, and they are going to be transformed into a kingdom body. Messiah is going to bring those souls, the ones who have already died, he's going to bring their souls that have been with him from heaven into the sky. And there's going to be a great meeting. Also at that time, we who are still alive, that's what Paul says, we who are still hanging about, remaining here, we are also going to be changed. Let's read the whole scripture. Look at verse 17. Then we, the ones living, the ones lying about, still here in this body, in this world, together with them, we all, is what he's saying, we all are going to be snatched away into the clouds for what? Well, notice something. If your Bible says to meet the Lord, doesn't say that, because that would be a verb. It's a noun here for the meeting. Why is that important? Because to meet can imply something that's casual. Not too long ago, I was walking in Jerusalem and I met someone there that I've known for many years. And when I say meet, we bumped into each other. Well, that was by chance. See, the verb for meeting can also imply by chance. But the noun that's used here is not speaking about a meeting by chance, but one that's been designed. And that's why it says literally for the meeting of the Lord in the air. Meaning it is designed, it is planned, it is known of, it's not by chance. So we need to pay attention to the grammar. For the meeting of the Lord, where? In the air. This word air implies sky. So what's going to happen? Currently today, if a believer dies, where is he? He or she, their body is in the ground. So what? It's decomposing. It's become dust. But their soul is present with Messiah. That's why it says, go back to, to verse 14. That's why it says, Yeshua, he will bring with himself these who have already died. What? Their souls. Their souls. Why? Because we are always going to be when someone dies in the faith they are always going to be with the lord that's what the scripture says we'll see that in a moment so their souls are with him he will bring them as their dead bodies are transformed into a glorious kingdom body to meet and we who are still alive we are going to be snatched away just like those dead bodies and transformed as well and we are going to be transformed into this new kingdom body and we're going to meet all one another all believers from all times we are going to be transformed in the air with the lord that's what it's saying now look at our last verse verse 18 and thus always here's the emphasis and thus always with the lord we shall be so that 
he says encourage one another with what the blessed hope the rapture this is a commandment so my friend at that conference in orlando who who taught a a workshop on why there is not a rapture he was in the air he is teaching things that are not truth he is not doing he is in rebellious because he's not encouraging others with this blessed hope with this promise of the rapture and it says once again look at verse 18 and thus that means as a result of this as what we have been taught he says always with the lord we will be so that we are called to encourage literally says so that you are to encourage one another with these words so anyone who does not believe in the rapture and by the way that word arpazo means to snatch away does not mean to be kept in place to means to be removed and because of that this teaching that that the rapture will happen at the end of daniel's 70th week is a false teaching what would be the encouragement in being here for all these things no god's not going to sustain us in place that is an inviolation that concept that that some teach is false it's not being kept in place and sustained in the midst of it but rather the word arpazo means to be snatched away taken away removed and why so that we can be personally with the lord what a wonderful promise and indeed a promise that gives us encouragement so when people tell you you know the rapture is not biblical it's not in the scripture it most certainly is we see it reference in several places in the scripture in matthew 24 and those parallel passages in mark and luke we see a reference many teach in the book of isaiah we see it obviously in in the book of revelation and chapter 7 and also a reference to it in chapter 14 and of course we see it in 1st Corinthians 15 and 1st Thessalonians 4 as we have today so wonderful promise from God and that promise is only available what did we celebrate uh, uh, on Friday night we celebrated the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and we can only do that biblically in the days of the temple because first passover was observed passover that that lamb being sacrificed and because of that sacrifice of messiah we have redemption and it's only those who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb messiah yeshua only we have that hope that wonderful blessed hope that we will be removed from this world prior to the wrath of god and that we will have for eternity a new body a kingdom body what indeed a blessed hope so let's not be against knowing these things let's not be be unaware of what the scripture says do not let false teaching influence you read the scripture pay attention to what's said and you through the gift of the holy spirit he will teach you and bring you into all truth until next week shalom from israel Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. 
There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.